Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we ring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hey guys, today we're talking with Yasmin Ricenia. She is a leader in both sales and the tech space. And she's gonna talk about what it takes to be a great leader, how to build thriving teams, and what to do when you encounter sexism, whether that is in the workplace or within your own business or with a client. Yes, we really enjoyed speaking to Yasmin, and we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, today we have Yasmin Ricenia. She's a leader in both sales and the tech industry. She's headed up multiple sales teams, and she's really built her career in what traditionally was a male-dominated industry. Welcome, Yaz. It's great to have you. (laughs) Hi. Thanks, guys, for having me. So happy to be here. So although you aren't an entrepreneur per se, yes, Mm -hmm. we thought that you had a ton of leadership experience and, you know, advice, insights, stories that other women can relate to, especially women who are leading companies, founding companies, and that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So um, could you start by telling us your story? Like, who are you? What, how did you (laughs) choose sales? You know, like, what happened? Yeah. So um, again, my name's Yasmin. As you can tell, I am not Australian. So I am um, actually from the U.S. Um, I grew up in California in the Bay Area um, in Silicon Valley. So I have always been surrounded by tech. Um, My dad is an electrical engineer. And has always worked for large tech organizations, um, specifically in like the wireless internet space. And my mom has also, um, totally different, she has always um, been in the hair industry. So she owns her own business um, and has owned her own salon for, I don't know, 20 years and and been a stylist since she was 18. So between, you know, my dad um, working in the tech space and really encouraging me to, to you know, join this type of industry. And my mom, who's owned her own business and been a saleswoman her entire life, um, I would say that's kind of how I landed in this space is um, having just, you know, two parents that have really pushed me to be the best version of myself and and yeah, you know, push me to to be what I want to be. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Do you think, like, did you hang out in your mom's salon when you were young? I did, yeah. Because you're so, really good at girl talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my mom, so when I was probably, you know, a very young age would hang out in the salon, but around six, seven, eight, um, that's when I, I would say got my first job. So um, it was sweeping the floors. It was, um, you know, pouring drinks of water for the gals, um, confirming appointments, um, and just talking to my mom's customers and really trying to understand, you know, what they wanted, what kind of what kind of hairstyle they wanted, or what they wanted to leave today, um, you know, achieving. And that was definitely my my entry into sales and making sure they had product and. Um, had all the things that made them feel really good inside. Um, and yeah. that made me really happy too. So customer success. You learn customer success. Definitely. Like as a old. child. Customer yeah. success <laughs> and making sure that, you know, we we had that next appointment booked in, right? Yeah. So, so no right. one ever left without 
um, that perm or that that hairstyle appointment um, for six what weeks year later. Was it? Can I ask, like, what years this was, just so um, we can envision the style? Yeah, like the nineties. Yeah, um, yeah. So mid nineties. Yeah. Um, my mom's first salon was actually called Bratz. Bratz. Um, <laughs> and then her second salon was called Adriana's. So that's yeah. my mom's name, Adriana. Oh, and beautiful. Yeah, I just helped her, helped her with you know the odd jobs around the salon, but also just ran the front desk. Yeah. <laughs> so your career started in hairdressing then, really. <laughs> yes. I never was the creative. I was always the consultant. Awesome. Yeah. And then, and then what happened? What, what was your career story? Yeah. So from there, um, you know, went to school, went to university, got my degree in advertising. And as I was, um, you know, taking my advertising courses, um, I had a couple of professors tell me um, through uh, different presentations that I would basically be the one in the advertising team that would always present the media plan or present the, um, uh, the, the program we were pitching to the different vendors. And I had a few professors that were um, in the media industry and they said to me, you know, Yasmine, you need to be in sales. Yeah. You are a saleswoman. Yeah. And I looked at them and said, what the heck does that even mean. <laughs> um, but I quickly realized that I loved to take information um, that others, you know, created or they came up with the, you know, creative media plan and then I presented it and yeah. I was able to to position it and, um, you know, sell it through. And um, I actually landed my first job right out of uni. I, funnily enough, I was in San Francisco. I was grabbing a cab to the train station heading back to San Jose where my parents lived. Mm. And um, there was a couple that was actually hailing the same cab and we ended up saying, okay, let's, let's share the cab and we're, we're all going towards the train station. And this gal in the back seat of the cab, she and I kind of hit it off and um, she asked me, you know, what I did for a living. And I, I said, nothing. I just graduated and it yep. was 2011 and the economy was just awful. Um, and she said, well, you know what? I, I'm in sales. And I work for a radio station and I've done really well there. Here's my business card. You should call me and let, let's, let's see if there's a role for you. And sure enough, um, you know, the, the next day I worked on my resume all day and gave her a call. And <laughs> um, that's how I landed my first sales job, which was at the time 100% commission, which is really a brutal first yeah, job. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh. Um, but that's how I found my first job was just through meeting someone. And um, I actually have been friends with that same gal for 10 years. And I got another job um, next at another big tech company. So that's how I got into tech. Um, through her, I just followed her to the next gig. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was that's how I landed in sales. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So you've now worked your way up to where you are a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Don't mean to toot your horn, but toot toot. Like, you lead, I mean, you lead massive teams. Like yep. you're, you're definitely a thought leader in the sales space. Um, it's a male dominated industry, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's hard to, to climb in any really industry. So how did you do it? I mean, tell us what that journey looked like. Yeah. So my, again, my first role was in radio um, and it was an outside sales role and it was, it was a tough gig. Um, 
that first role was definitely like door to door, um, driving around the Bay Area, trying to just get get people's attention to take a call with me. Yeah. Um, but it definitely created like a thick skin. Yeah. Um, because you know, in person rejection is much harder than you know. Uh, just ignoring an email. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, again, that gal who helped me get that job, she moved to LinkedIn, major tech company. Um, and I followed her there and I got a role, kind of like a, a business development role where I was booking meetings for uh, more senior executives, account gotcha. executives. And I loved it. I just thought, wow, this is so easy. I'm talking about a product I love. Um, and I'm, you know, a user of, and people wanted to to talk to me, and um, the KPIs were really booking meetings and and trying to build pipeline, and right. found a lot of success. Um, yep. Quickly wanted to move up and and become a a saleswoman that was closing my own accounts. Um, had a great mentor who, you know, he coached me and he pulled me up, and and other mentors within the team. Um, and I really just had to, you know, push myself to get there. Moved into a full closing role um, where I owned, you know, a book of business, like my own yep. basically set of accounts. Yep. Um, and just had an amazing first year. But I would totally attribute that to patience, organization, um, and really creating a system and a process that worked for me. Yep. Um, I wasn't the best when it came to understanding the product or even even the audience. I really just tried to be humble and learn from my customers. Um, and be super organized, and that paid off in massive dividends. And then I realized I loved to basically teach and coach my peers around me. I loved whenever there was a new hire um, with with all of the roles that I just told you about, and really realized that my passion was coaching and teaching. Yeah. Um, and I loved not only you know being number one, but making sure that the rest of my team was you know two, three, four as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I just thought you know I really want to become a manager. How can I do that? So I spent yeah. the next um, few years growing my sales skills. I actually ended up moving to Australia um, to launch the, the the office and the team, um, which was a new new office launch. For um, LinkedIn. For LinkedIn, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then eventually moved into a manager role. And I would say that first year was really tough. Just, yeah. you know, moving from an individual contributor where you really only had to worry about yourself and um, and your business and maybe your pod of people working with you. Moving into that management role was definitely a learning curve. Um, yeah. And super humbling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all change is, is humbling, right? Like every time you, you make a big change, move country or move role or move industry, yeah. it's painful. Um, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. And over the last four years, have moved moved around different tech organizations and, um, and yeah, have absolutely loved being a sales manager and a, and a tech leader and someone that can actually grow the future sales manager's within this industry is just completely my passion. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. So what kind of daily challenges are you facing as a manager right now? Yeah, look, when you are a sales manager, you've got you've got competing priorities because one thing that you always have hanging over your head is a a revenue number, right? Like any business owner, any entrepreneur, you've got to make you've got to make money. So ensuring that I'm across the numbers, um, which ultimately aren't necessarily in my control all the time, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've got a team of people that each have a quota that rolls up to my quota. Um, and I've got to manage that team to ensure that they are, you know, a top performing team and, and successful. 
but they're also people. <laughs> right. They're humans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And nobody really prepares you for that when you move into a, a business owner role or a manager role um, that, you know, even though you all have a number, people have lives and challenges and... and emotions. Emotions yeah. <laughs> and problems completely separate from work. So... Right. Being able to be a humble and empathetic manager that can balance personal and, and the professional challenges um, is super important and something I definitely didn't realize until, you know, four years ago moving into a management role for the first time yeah. that I would have to learn how to balance my feelings and my emotions um, when I had a teammate or, or someone on my in my business who was really struggling emotionally or, or with a family matter or yeah. with work-life balance. And like, how do I not feel everything they feel? Right. Um, but also understand where they're coming from and, yeah. and can be flexible and compassionate. So that's absolutely been a balance that I don't think any manager has ever nailed. Um, right. But you get better at it over time with practice. Yeah. Um, and the more things that happen within your business and, and to your people, the more compassion and understanding you have in running a revenue generating business that happens to be driven by people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a fine balance. Um, and creating that trust is something I try to do every single day, yeah. Um, which then leads my team to feel more comfortable talking to me and being open with me when something's happening in their lives that's preventing them to actually excel in their role. Yeah. So we, we really um, admire like your leadership style and the way that you talk about it. What are, like say if you could say, here are my top five things that have made me a better leader. Like you talked about the empathy and really understanding people's lives. Mm -hmm. What else is it out there that ha you've really, that's really helped grow you as a leader? Yeah, look, um, yeah, empathy is super important. Um, transparency is really important. Being able to be really clear about like the expectations that I have of my reps and um, what what they need to do to be successful. Um, not just from a numbers perspective, but what are some of the competencies um, like articulate communication or being able to negotiate or solution map? Just being really clear on what success means for my team mm -hmm. um, and ultimately for myself. Um, I think also it's really important to give feedback and consistent feedback, not only as a manager to an employee or a, yeah. or a teammate, um, but peer to peer. Yeah. And what I've seen, some of the best advice I've ever gotten um, was actually from a sa another sales uh, leader. I don't even know if he was in sales, but he was kind of like a guru personality at <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, his name's Fred Kaufman. And he has this theory um, that's essentially around, it's called clean escalation. Yeah. And it's basically around how to give peer to peer feedback and how to communicate to avoid conflict or to actually actively engage in resolving conflict. Yeah. Okay. So the, the theory there is um, you essentially, as a teammate, if something happens to you, like let's say Sylvie has a problem with me and it's really weighing on her and it's really starting to affect her in the workplace. Yeah. And instead of Sylvie going um, directly to her manager, um, she actually comes to me 
And she tells me really clearly, you know, what happened um, that bothered her, what was the impact on her and how she would like it to change in the future. Mm -hmm. And that is able, that creates an environment where she can actually communicate one-on-one with the person that did something that either hurt her feelings or wasn't working from from a business perspective. And they can resolve that right then and there. And it just creates a more open and transparent environment. And then ultimately, if they can't come to a solution, they can escalate that problem to their managers. And then their managers can have that same conversation and try to resolve it. And if it needs to go up, it goes up. But nine times out of 10, that feedback given to that person directly builds credibility. Right. It builds trust. um, And it allows for a culture of, you know, no tattletailing. It's, um, it just creates a really open environment where your team can communicate with each other. And that's something that I think um, I truly believe in. I've, I've held on to that for years. Um, And giving feedback, not only to people at my level or above me or below me or whatever, um, has really helped me grow. So I really encourage my team to do the same thing. Yeah. Very cool. With giving feedback, have you ever been afraid of people thinking you're a bitch? This is a, <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> I feel like this word is so aggressively yeah. used against women and it's too yep. often used in Especially a negative way. Leaders. Yeah. It's yeah. against women leaders and like, I guess when you're giving feedback, do you do you like level your tone of voice? How do you handle that kind of thing? Do you feel like yeah. you should have to watch your tone of voice? Like, yeah. what, yeah. what's your opinion? Yeah, look, I like to speak to people in a way that I, I want to be spoken to. Um, so, you know, I think per- perception is certainly everything. And I've, I've definitely listened to different TED Talks where um, women feel like they need to, um, you know, be louder or more, more aggressive in a meeting or um, have a seat at the table, essentially. and um, I'm naturally loud, like I can't help it. <laughs> um, so I don't think I could even play that up if I wanted to. I just am a loud, a loud person. I just have a loud voice. Um, and I kind of demand uh, or command presence, if you will, just with my personality. Um, but I definitely think building trust with the people you work with um, breaks down barriers. And the way that I speak to people and the way that I give feedback is I'm really clear about you know, what happened? Yeah. What was the impact that that situation had on me or the customer or their peer? And really how I would like to to see us work on that behavior in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think if you build trust with the people that you work with or engage with or your customers um, and you treat them like you want to be treated, right? You, right? you come at the situation with a very empathetic mindset and tone. Um, people will respond well and it suddenly doesn't become a conversation about, you know, is she a bitch and she's not a bitch. And it's more around, oh, wow, you know, she's taking the time to really invest in me to help me grow. And I can see that she cares. Right. Um, And on their side rather than against. Yes. Yes. And look, and if people do think that about me at times, I I don't even, I wouldn't even think about it, to be honest, um, because I know where I'm coming from is a positive, constructive place. Um, so I don't have that fear. Right. Um, you don't operate from a place of no, perception. No, I yeah. think if you can level set and treat your peers as you want to be treated, um, 
even if, you know, you, you're a bit heated or a bit upset or angry, um, I don't even know if angry is the right word, but passionate. Um, yeah. I think that they can see where you're coming from and, and suddenly, um, I'd like to think the best in people, yeah. um, <laughs> that they wouldn't think that about me, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I don't really care. You can't control that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at the same time, yeah, we're doing our best. That's, fair, that's so true. And, um, yeah. one of our previous guests, Claire Natalie was saying that we need to stop caring so much about what other people mm-hmm. think of us. Yeah. And I think that's. That is so true as well. Totally. Right. Couldn't agree more. So when we had our side chat, you know, when you'd first walked in the studio, we talked about how you'd kind of reached this leadership position in what was traditionally a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've certainly seen your role in your industry uh, change over the past 10 years. Yep. And uh, you had some interesting um, insights to share on that and mm-hmm. maybe some experiences that other people can relate to and how you've handled them or how you would handle them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, when I um, when I started in sales 10 years ago, um, I was in an entry-level sales role. I um, didn't have much coaching at the time just because the, the nature of the role was that you were, you know, out on the road. Um, and you were typically by yourself uh, if you were trying to get a meeting. Yep. And maybe in the future, if you, you know, got a meeting or, or um, needed support, you'd get, you know, a manager or a VP to come join you. But yeah. in general, I spent a lot of time on the road. And my customer base was a, was a very male-dominated industry, which was the, the auto industry. So yeah. think um, auto dealerships all over the Bay Area. Right. Okay. And I would, you know, come to these auto dealerships and you know, come to the front desk and try to see if the general manager was available. And um, what I experienced very quickly at a very young age was this realization um, of the way that certain people behave to people that are younger. Yeah. People that are women. Yeah. And women that are inexperienced. Right. And at the time, I had no experience <laughs> when right. it came to yeah, outside yeah. sales and, and working in a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And a few of these potential customers would make very inappropriate comments. Yeah. Um, comments like, you know, can you give us a spin? Oh um, are your, so you know, creepy. are your eyes as big as your bum? Like just oh my God. weird, you know, so in a, weird. <laughs> inappropriate um, comments about my looks oh. and, and they wouldn't really take a meeting and they would make me feel really weird and uncomfortable about yeah. trying to get a, get a call and. Um, as if you were trying to ask them for a date or something. Yeah, um, totally. Like I was there to discuss an opportunity for their business to grow and how they could market their business using radio. Yeah. Um, and that was that. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt so uncomfortable, but I didn't really know that I, that that was inappropriate. So whilst my gut flipped inside and out, I would go home and I would go home to my apartment, even though I was still on the, the clock or or maybe I had an hour and a half drive back to the office and I would just cry. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, was it my outfit or was it my... You went inward. You yeah. thought, what am I doing wrong? Totally. What could I do differently? And I just didn't want to... I was so embarrassed yeah. that I didn't even really bring it up to my bosses. Like I didn't really understand how inappropriate that was. And, and looking back on that now, um, 
you know, if I ever had a rep on my team who said to me, oh, I had a customer. I mean, this is a customer, right? Or a yeah. potential customer. Yeah. Customer's not, even, not always right. No, well, not not <laughs> even really like an internal, you know, another yeah. employee at the office. It's, it's mm. an external customer yeah. that could potentially have revenue for us. If they had a customer treat them that way, I would immediately say, okay, well, they're fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't want their business. Right. Um, we will not stand for that. And right. I would gladly get on the phone and say that to any customer. Right. Um, we do not, we do not allow you to speak that way to my team. Right. Yeah. Um, it's completely inappropriate and unacceptable. Yeah. And I wish I would have known, I wish, I mean, I guess, um, you know, it's a learning experience for me and, and I had to have that experience happen to me to understand it was inappropriate. And to understand what it might be like for a member of your team today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but you know, I just now can always be sure to create an environment that is well known that that is unacceptable, yeah. that no one internally within the business or externally can speak to you that way, right. man or woman. Yeah. Um, you should never be made feel sexually harassed or made felt like your looks were involved in a business and transaction. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it certainly, you know, I cried a lot. Yeah. Um, but then when I moved into a different industry, it's sales, it was still sales, but moving into more of a modern industry yeah. Um, at a bigger company, I was, ma- it was massively reinforced how not okay that was. So now, right, yeah, now yeah. in all my roles, you know, after that, um, I am more confident as a woman, as a female leader, as a business leader to ensure that I can bring that with me everywhere I go. Right. Um, prevent that from happening, but also coach and teach my team to understand their worth and, and what is and isn't acceptable. <laughs> right. What they don't have to put up with. Yeah. 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 Do you think it's the times too? I mean, do you think it's just an experience or do you think like there's been a revolution? Um, A, l- a little bit, definitely. I think now companies are coaching and I mean, almost every company I've ever joined has had some sort of sexual harassment training, which, you know, maybe 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I think that when you're young, when you're young and you're a woman, your expectation of the world, you're not really sure what to expect and what is or isn't appropriate. But I certainly think women now at a younger age are being taught um, whether it's in sports or in high school or uni, um, the, the value of our worth and, and what is and isn't acceptable. And, and men are yeah. also being taught yeah. that too. Whereas, you know, the men of that generation I was working with were from, a, you know, an older generation that probably never would have even had a conversation like that um, yeah. in, in school, let alone um, in the workplace. So, yes, I definitely think we're, we're lucky to be a part of a generation that is just more educated yeah, with social media as well, right. like there's so much more, like you said, online education, but also sharing of knowledge and accountability. But yeah, like if that were to happen now, yeah. that that business would close. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think it's good because I mean it is you know people sometimes it's a bad thing right that we're sharing everything and and some things should be kept private, mm-hmm. but definitely in situations like this where. People mm-hmm. get called out for bad behavior. Yeah. Yep. So they actually stop the bad behavior. Whereas like, you know, I'm 36 and a half, right? <laughs> when I started my career, things were just swept under the rug. And if you told on someone for this inappropriate behavior, yeah, you were the one who got fired. Mm-hmm. It wasn't That's the dude. terrible. Yeah. It, it, at least, you know, this was in the Midwestern part of the United States. Yep. 
which is, you know, a bit conservative. I think a lot of women are still afraid. I think a lot yeah. of women don't want to be known as the woman that was sexually harassed or yeah. no, or feeling like a victim. Yeah. And so they push it away and they put it aside and they make excuses like he was just kidding or it was just a joke. Right. I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin his life. I don't want right. to ruin his family. But um, in a, inappropriate is inappropriate. And if we if we don't stand up and speak up, um, it'll just continue to happen. So right, right, right. Um, it's got to end somewhere. I definitely think that um, I'm quite lucky to be in office environments now that that would just never fly and would, right. would be, you know, a, a dismissal. Um, yeah. But again, you know, I've learned a lot through working in poor office environments. Yeah. And I do also know a lot of women and, and men who have worked in such great environments that they actually have no idea what's out there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They've never experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I, you know, I ran a small agency for a while um, in my younger days in America. Right. And I actually, I tell this story all the time, but I was a single mom at the time mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like working two jobs, you know, running this agency, you know, doing all these things. And I had built financial security for myself and my children on my own. And I was very proud of myself. And it took one comment to kind of knock me back down. Mm. I want to say I was like 31 when this happened. And I had a client fly me out to Colorado um, for a big presentation. And it was all about, you know, how they should market their business and whatever. And then we took them out to dinner I had, you know, business partners at the dinner. I was the only woman at the table, but I was fine. You know, I was used to being the only woman at a table Mm -hmm. with business leaders. And um, afterwards, they asked me if I wanted to go to a strip club. And I laughed it off at first. And they asked again a little bit more forcefully. Mm. And they and I said, no, 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 I I don't prefer to go to strip clubs. I don't want to do that. I'm tired anyway. I'm just going to go back to the hotel, you know, as if I had to say I was tired. And then they said, oh, come on, come help us go support some single mothers. And I remember <laughs> feeling so small in that moment yeah. and just so sad that it didn't matter, you know, how hard I had worked as an entrepreneur and as a single mom and as a human that I could be reduced, you know, by these men in business just by yep. that one comment. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah it's awful. But, you know, this was, I was 31 in what yeah. year? I'm sorry yeah. that happened to oh, you. Oh, no, it's fine. I, but I think... You know, when you become a leader, it's like you take all of these experiences and things and it just makes you stronger. Yeah, it just makes you it does. more aware, mm-hmm. you know? If you could coach your younger self, Yaz, mm-hmm. what would you tell your younger self? What would, what would you say to do in that situation? Yeah. When you were, you know, asked Young, to swirl around. Asked to twir- asked yeah. to twirl around <laughs> yeah. for your customer. Yeah, look, I think back then I was very insecure about my worth as a female saleswoman. I didn't I didn't yeah. have any wins on the board. Like I was yeah. so new to it that I felt I, ma- massive imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Like I just didn't know yeah. if I was going to be good at this. Yeah. Um and so looking back, I would I would certainly tell myself, my younger self, um that your morals and your values are they stay true. Like no matter what you do in this life. Yeah. Um, keep, keep yourself accountable to what you know is right and wrong. Like I knew that was wrong. I knew that was unacceptable. Um, but I wasn't really sure. I was unsure about myself in the role. And so I allowed it and 
probably let it happen a few times until I realized I just didn't want to work at that company. And, and I let it kind of take it away from me, right? Right. Um, but if I could tell myself to just, you know, your values and your morals and, and your character, don't lose that for any job or any business. Right. Or, or any, any client. Or any <laughs> client or any person. Yeah. And if you can hold that bar, you will always be successful. Yeah. Um, because the respect that you will earn yeah. for standing behind yourself and backing yourself is always going to be more valuable than that $5,000 deal from some shitty little auto dealership. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Set your bars. Stick yep. to it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So we wanted to ask you about your, as a female leader, who yep. who do you look up to? Who's your favorite, favorite female leader or favorite female leaders? Yeah. Um, there's definitely a few, but I, my mind when, you know, I think about this question goes immediately to the current prime minister of New Zealand. Hey, um, Jacinda. Jacinda, <laughs> yes. Um, Women everywhere. If you do not know yeah. who Jacinda Arden is, did I pronounce her last name right? Arden? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Google her, please. She's like the Michelle Obama yeah. of New Zealand. <laughs> She's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> she, w- what's amazing about her is that she is so strong in her beliefs. Yeah. and. Her belief system is her core, and she, um, while she sees gray, I believe that she is quick to action when um, when her core kind of flags go off. Right. Yeah. So, for example, a few years back, there was a there was a mass shooting um, in New Zealand, which was completely awful at a mosque, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and her action was swift. Um, immediately said, you know, we're going to get rid of these types of guns um, and we are going to just completely ban um, this country from allowing that type of violence to to occur. She stood behind the the Muslim people um, and really just took a, a stance um, yeah. and was not wishy-washy about this. She was firm in her decision. She was swift in her action. Um, and same with the the coronavirus, um, you know, crisis. She she locked that country down yeah, and, right. um, you know, took very swift action. And they've been able to do very well in the eradication or, or sort of eradicate. I'm not sure what the numbers are now, but yeah. um, she she knows what she's doing and she backs herself. She's also a she mom. She backs herself. Yeah. yeah, she backs herself. I love that. Um, she's also a mom. And she had a baby. I think she was pregnant when she was running for office. Yeah, Um, well, in office. Yeah, in office. And she had a baby and came back to work pretty quickly, um, but is doing it. And it just helps us as women recognize that we can do it too. And we, if she can run a country, um, which is doing pretty well, and be a mom and a new mom at that, and have a supportive partner and a family. And um, ask for that support. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but also make really big global decisions that the world is watching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have a massive girl crush on her. I know. <laughs> she can't <laughs> She's tell. She's so good. Yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Well, yeah. the world's definitely watching you as well. Yes. Aww, You've been such so an yes. awesome guest. And, and women so like inspiring. you everywhere. Everyone yeah. who is listening and leading teams and leading companies and, you know. I think there's so much to be said about millennial leaders and millennial female leaders. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you're, you so much for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. We're really so fun. happy you were here. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Bye.
Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.